nope, no, no, thank you. I know your favorite part of a cinematic universe of all time, Greg. No, thank you. And look, as we're going to talk about a lot today, I like fucking adore Peter Cushing. Wait, um, is, are you saying he's still alive? No, he died in 1994. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, he's long dead, but um, I, uh, Kale, I'm guessing you haven't seen Rogue One. Like I, you know, I don't think that's kind of your thing, right? They Mew. also remember, yeah, do it in uh, Revenge of the Sith. It's more oh, of a, like, that's far a separate, yeah, that's, that's a separate actor though. That's a different guy at the very least. Sure, you know, which I'm cool with. I'm cool with recasting the character. I mean, Peter Cushing is dead. He should be allowed to stay dead. But in the movie Rogue One, they have a very creepy CGI rendition of him. Like, just among other actors with a voice impersonator, like, dubbing him. Um, it's awful. And it, like, I think it's, is a bad sign it's for gonna where be the beginnings are headed. Of the end. Do yeah. You have to, so, like, are they paying, like, the family estate for using their the likeness? Yeah, they did. Uh, okay, yes. I was wondering if so it was there just is... cheaper. Because I know that James Dean was cast in the movie recently. And a, and so a, that yeah. made me wonder... Do they, is it just cheaper to like CGI create dead people or is it cheaper to yeah. just hire somebody? Well, to they play talk them? about it. A lot of actors, they, they will be scanned yeah. before they start shooting a movie. Yeah. Uh, and they think they did it in Bojack, like as a joke. So, like, if you die <laughs> halfway through shooting the movie, we're just going to make your lifeless corpse animated. To finish it. I so mean, you, you have no say in it after that point. Didn't they kind of do that with uh, Paul Walker and uh, Carrie Fisher for the latest Star Wars movie? I mean, it's something that they really yeah. want to do. I kill. I imagine it might be cheaper um, because you're not negotiating like acting contracts with like people. Um, you're just paying VFX artists and like a voiceover artist, which is probably less expensive. And I think well, they avoid... Yeah, I, I think they avoid to. We'll get yes, we'll start the podcast right after this. Um, but I think they avoid like fan backlash of like, oh, sure. see, it's the original person here on screen for you, even though it's a horrible. But let's remember the early two thousand Simone with Al Pacino, all about this, oh. this concept of like creating an actress. Uh, but oh, wow, it also it made this. me think. Yeah, it, you should look it up. It's not very good, but it is an interesting. <laughs> look into our future uh it makes me think of the joke in gremlins 2 where we're, we're now gonna show casablanca now in color and with a happier ending like they're just going to have humphrey bogart yeah. redo the end of that movie um but you know, Gil, wouldn't you enjoy that like if we redid vertigo and james stewart actually gets his comeuppance at the end of it no <laughs> no. no i don't really i feel like remakes are kind of unnecessary a lot of the time and i feel like if something like when a movie's over it should be over that's why i'm not really into franchises because i'd rather just have one really awesome well-written movie that that is really great and then just be done with it and then come up with something yeah. different because i i just like why why keep going and stupid i don't like it but... i i would say i agree with you but Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 <laughs> is, like, the exception to that rule. Yeah. I'm at the place where I, I 100% fully agree with Kill, but my brain is just broken from being a child. And, like, you know, what is the what is the, the thing in, in Clockwork Orange where they, like, hold your eyes open? The Ludovico 
treatment, just being Ludovico treatmented like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all these other franchises. You know, that's what it is. It's nostalgia. Yeah, absolutely. They're streamlining nostalgia. And you just want another. You want to go back and have that feeling again of seeing one of those for the first time, even though it's all kind of going to cheapen the franchise as a whole and the IP. I I hate it. it. That shit makes me sad. Like when yeah, I, if something I totally is agree. redone, it's like Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford is old now. And that would just make me really sad. I, I never, I don't really care for those movies. I don't think they're very good, but it's yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I like a movie. And then if I feel nostalgic, I'll watch it again. I don't need to, you know, like bring Beverly <laughs> Hills Cop back, you know, yeah. it's, it's fine. <laughs> they did it just in this Obi-Wan, like just in this two parters. There's a, a a stupid toy that Luke plays oh, with. The fucking in, dumbest thing in the world. In yes, a new it's hope. so stupid. And they have to they have to give it a reason why he had this toy. Yeah. Oh, it was a present from Obi Wan. Like you don't need to do all the the dice from Solo. Like we they crammed in every yeah. single thing we know about this character happened within like a two week period of time. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's really stupid. The worst, of, the worst part of bringing Peter Cushing back for Rogue One is that they turned him into the thing he hates most—the undead. He spent so many years and so many Ooh. movies fighting the undead, and you're going to turn him into this like unholy abomination. That's going to segue right into our opening. Uh, this is the weekly podcast massacre. The podcast where we get mad about CG every week, or I do at, very, <laughs> at the very least. Uh, no, we talk about horror movies with a different theme every month, and this month it is Gemini June. We are examining horror movies that deal with twins, doppelgangers, exact doubles, uh, and this week, fucking bloody vampires and Satanists. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first Hammer movie that we are discussing. This is movies from 1971. This is Twins of Evil, directed by John Hugh. How? I th- I'm assuming Hugh. Um, if he's British, then yeah, probably. Yeah. To start off, as I mentioned, this is a Hammer film. Hammer was a horror studio that uh, was making movies before they got into horror in the 50s, but they started getting a lot of uh, controversy and notoriety for their their horror movies, particularly their remakes of Dracula and Frankenstein. Well, before you get more into that, yeah, who the hell are you? Oh, yeah. Hey, I am Greg from Los Angeles, um, and with me are my two co-hosts. I'm too excited to talk about Hammer, but yeah. (laughs) I'm Murphy from Portland, but everyone calls me Michael. uh, Something, again, something weird about this. You're also showing a lot of cleavage today, I noticed. Well, (laughs) you know. Well, more than you got it, flaunt it. I I panicked for a second, was like, did I forget to put on a shirt? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to start off, though... uh, have you guys watched many Hammer horror movies? What is your guys' history with Hammer? Nope, none. Wow. No, this is probably the first one. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, are they all this stuffy? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Okay. Sometimes they can... I, they... It's, not, it's not necessarily I I didn't like it, but it is a, it was more higher brow than I think I was yeah. expecting. They fall into a strange camp of like... 
I mean, guys like Peter Cushing, they're all like the ad, you know, Shakespearean right. trained actors, like all these people. But then you have boobies as well. Yeah, and uh, extreme violence near the end. Um, yeah. Shocking violence for 1971. So this is supposed kind to be of... part of a, a, a trilogy as well. And apparently yeah. this one in the middle and this one um, has the least amount of, of um, bosoms and girl yes. on girl stuff. Yeah, so particularly this trilogy was called the, the uh, what was it? The, the Carmilla trilogy, based on the novel Carmilla, written by Sheridan Le Fanu. Um, or the Karnstein trilogy is what these are called. So, uh, yeah, this is a series of movies where, um, to go back, they got notoriety for remaking Dracula and Frankenstein, but with blood and boobs. That was their big thing. Um, you got the iconic Christopher Lee Dracula series and the Peter Cushing Frankenstein series. Although both actors are oh, in both series. Yeah. Doctor or He's Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's uh probably my favorite like interpretation of the character because they really lean in on making Frankenstein evil over the monsters. The monsters are usually really sure. just monsters. They're typically mindless. Sometimes they talk, sometimes you have the ones that are closer to the book, but for the most part you're just following sure. the Dr. Frankenstein as he goes around being the biggest piece of shit in the world. And it's it's fantastic. And Peter Cushing, like, absolutely kills it in every movie. Um, so yeah, he was, like, Hammer's big draw. I think even more than, like, Christopher Lee, who played a lot of great characters like the Mummy and Dracula. Peter, uh, Peter Another Cushing. Another Star Wars alum. Exactly, yes. Uh, <laughs> who also played a jo- count Georgie, later. Yeah, must have been a fan. I think so, definitely, yeah. I think so. Just in his casting, a lot of like highbrow British actors in roles too, because um, I think I like that dichotomy of like you have these very eloquent, like you know, distinguished actors in this trashy exploitation movie. Because th- these movies, by the time the seventies rolled around, they were on the decline. Hammer, they were not making as much money. So it's like, well, we got to go back to being shocking. And what's shocking right now is like lesbianism. So uh, according to Wikipedia, this movie. Um, or these movies, this trilogy, they included some of the most explicit scenes of lesbianism yet seen in mainstream English language films. Um, so this was their big ploy to cause drama and get notoriety and, and get noticed in the film industry yet again. But it didn't really work. Um, but I and always think of more taboo. Yeah, than just lesbianism because they are related to each other as well exactly yeah although i think the big lesbianism scene in this movie is like the the torture chamber one where all you see is like the vampire biting a booby you know i think that's as like erotic as it gets for like in terms of there seems to be some like tension between them at times maybe i'm just reading into it more. no it's it's more implied in those scenes yeah no you're definitely Right. right yeah but um so yeah, they, it didn't quite work. I always think of Hammer as like, they're the perfect bridge between like gothic chillers, which were like huge in the 40s and 50s. You know, typically they're more psychological, they're supernatural, they're, you know, they're ghost stories, they're like romantic. Um, and then you have like, you know, Italian giallos and slashers of the 60s and 70s. Hammer is like really right in between and often a combo of both. You know, where you have, they're based on books, usually like this is, um, but they're not shying away from, like, nudity and violence. And that sort of, like, exploitation feel of, like, yeah, we put boobs in the movie because it's a box office draw. It's There's no real need for it. 
but it's like we know we're going to get more money if we show this playmate <laughs> topless you know oh definitely that was another thing i looked into or i saw on the wikipedia that these ladies were originally in playboy and then that's where they got the notoriety to be within this movie yeah i'm sure it was the fact i'm sure it was the fastest you ever googled anything you're just like who are these women Ugh. just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um wikipedia d- directed me right to it you use bing they all they all for... they all knew what you wanted yeah <laughs> yeah all right so to get into this though to um go over the plot of this movie uh, we first start off with a guy banging a gong as like our uh, you know title card as like our production card, which I loved. That was really cool. And then we first hear this incredible score, in- amazing music in this yeah. movie by um, uh, oh boy, I had his name on here. It's almost yeah, like a, an epic Lawrence of Arabia or like Cleopatra type yeah drum you- score. You might say it's kind of too much for what the movie actually ends up being. Like, it's a really epic score, but in scope, yeah. it's like everything's located, you know, kind of one village and one castle. Uh, <laughs> Harry Robertson. It's kind of interesting. Yes, thank you, Harry Robertson. Um, we also have cinematography by Dick Bush. I don't know if you guys caught the name. <laughs> um but he is actually like uh, a pretty well-renowned and well-known English cinematographer. He shot a lot of Hammer movies, a lot of other folk horror movies of this time, like The Blood and Satan's Claw, and um, a lot of the Christopher Lee Dracula movies. Uh, and this movie looks really nice. I mean, I think Hammer's a real problem with like they shoot day for night all the time, and you can always tell. I don't think they ever actually shot once with the sun down, because uh, that's just not a thing you did as often back then. And it makes their movies sometimes look a little cheap when you kind of notice that. Because I think all those scenes in the forest where she's attacking peasants, that's supposed to be like the dead of night. But it looks like it's 2 p.m., you know? Um, so, yeah. I, we Yeah, I mean, limitations. It, it costs money to have lights. Oh, it's totally. A, it's a lot more. You just say, oh, it's nighttime. <laughs> it's fine. And it also adds say. its own kind of hazy vibe to things sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it makes it a little weirdly surreal. Uh, so we start with Peter Cushing and his brotherhood uh, dressed like pilgrims for some reason, like riding through the forest. So this epic music by Harry Robinson. Harry Robinson. Uh, we have hot pink credits for some reason. Uh, so the first thing that happens is that they kind of they just like kick down the door of this cabin and like there's this, this man and this woman in this cabin together. They kind of quickly just like either knock out or kill this man. I don't know exactly what happens to him. But they grab this woman, they take her off, they tie her up, and they burn her at stake. And that's the image we have as the hot pink credits, you know, uh, play. We see our title card, Twins of Evil. Uh, this it's movie very quick. was originally to be called... start off with some, yeah. Yeah. Real serious burning at the stake. Yeah, with that music and with, like, Peter Cushing's, like, very skeletal face over it. It's pretty haunting, mm-hmm. yeah. This was the first movie he made after his wife passed away. And, um... It's pretty well, like well documented that like he kind of you know really started to like age after his wife passed and that's what you see suddenly if you watch these movies like it goes from he's got a much fuller face in previous movies looks looks more much more youthful and then he suddenly looks like a damn skeleton like it's or sunken yeah it's pretty sad and that's the look he has in Star Wars as well uh, but hey it also really makes an impression when you see him like it makes him look so intense. Uh, and it makes him play a great villain, uh, if you can call him a villain in this movie. 
So, I would say, well, yeah. You can. You can I, call him a villain. <laughs> yes. Yes. He, yeah. he, at least three innocent women. Totally. Uh, with zero proof. And my favorite, my favorite thing I think about the movie is they, like, they keep killing women with zero proof. They get to the end of it. And the one random guy's like, what's the proof you have? And then this is when they're like, our own eyes. <laughs> you didn't have anything else before this time. No, it was all burning on speculation. Yeah. You're a whore. Burner at the stake. So, uh, yeah, after this woman is burned, uh, we kind of then, I think, go to the... There's a castle owned by Count Karnstein. Or as we, we meet the twins coming from Venice, right? And their stagecoach. Uh, so they're riding into town. They are played by... This is Maria and Frida, played by the Collinson twins, um, which is a, was a Mary and... Uh, Madeline. I have so many notes. I'm getting so confused. I have so many notes. I was just going wild with all my notes about Hammer and shit that I am losing track of everything else. Madeline and Mary Collinson, yes. As we said, uh, the first twin playmates for Playboy. So they are running into town. Uh, they are the nieces of Peter Cushing's Gustav, who uh, it's kind of weird that this is like a vampire movie, but he's definitely like a witch hunter. Um, I also feel like these witch hunter movies are popular in this time. There's like witch hunter, gen- witch finder general with a... Uh, Vincent Price, there's like uh, Cry of the Banshee. Uh, this is kind of like pulling from a lot of different popular sources. Yeah, I mean, they say witch, but it really is just like Satanism. Yeah. All in general. And that's the umbrella that they always use for witches, vampires, they're servants of the devil. Yes, exactly. A lot exactly. of uh, torturing women. Absolutely. It was big at this time. And it's, it's weird where I don't know if these movies are like they're definitely talking about torturing women and how it was bad, but it also seems like they just kind of enjoy portraying it as well for shock value. It doesn't feel like they're talking about this to like be progressive, you know, like, oh, well, look, yeah. and it is funny just how they shoot it with like, obviously you're not setting women on fire. You're using like a forced perspective yeah. to start a fire in front of a woman and have her. Ah. <laughs> I mean, that's it's kind of a fun. Look. It is. Yeah. It's no, uh, it's no let the right one in with its, like, pyro effects, yeah. Right. It's so, no wicker man. Yeah, absolutely. So, the twins meet their uncle. I, I get the sense it's the first time they're ever meeting him. The first thing he does is chastise the way they dress, and he's just like, your parents aren't even dead, and you guys aren't wearing black, you're not even cold, and you guys are not wearing black. That's the big thing, is they're not wearing black clothes to mourn their dead parents, um, they have an aunt named Katie, I think is what her name is. It sometimes sounded like Kathy, but I think it's Katie. That's what it says on IMDb. So Gustav goes off. He has a meeting with his brotherhood. We'll cut back to, to this room with all these other guys very, very often. All these Protestants. Yes. So they talk about how um, there's been a bunch of killings, mysterious killings. They think it's the work of followers of Satan. They've been finding the mark of the devil. I think on uh, on the victims, we never quite see what that is. Um, oh no, that's the the vampire bites. That's what they're referring to. That's the mark of the. De- okay, I guess that's what it is. Yeah, mm. you always they're, just hear it referred to as like the vampire's kiss. Not exactly the mark of the devil, but okay, I guess you can also call it that. Uh, that makes sense. I was well, well, yeah. They don't know it's a vampire. Yeah, when they're starting, there's this, again Satan. True. This is they also seem pretty... historically a time of just extreme religious stupidity too i mean it's still <laughs> rampant to these days but you know we're not burning women as 
as much now, I guess. True. And, you you know, it, it does factor. Give it a like couple their, years. Their stupidity is kind of part of the plot where they don't realize that burning, like, even if they caught the right person, that's not going to do anything, apparently, according to Anton. And that's why he's a villain. Like, yeah. in, until the very end when it's like, oh, you're going up against even more evil. You're the bad guy for 90% of this movie. Yeah, totally. Um, so they hear about a woman who lives alone out in the woods. And that is all the proof they need to go burn her. Is that she lives alone in the woods. And someone's like, oh, she has many oh, husbands. And you're like, well, according to and who? That, yeah. <laughs> this guy. Men and women just come, or men just come in and out of there. Yeah, exactly. So they ride off to burn her. Um, uh, their aunt Katie is talking to the twins about, like, their uncle. And, you know, uh, actually, she's actually played by an actress named Kathleen Byron, who is in Saving Private Ryan. She's credited as Old Mrs. Oh. Ryan. Which I yeah. think means that she plays Matt Damon's wife Matt Damon's when he's an wife. old man yeah. at the end. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's cool. That's just a cool connection. Um, so when the twins are, are alone in their room, they're talking. And the twin Frida, she talks about how she just wants to be bad. She doesn't like being good. And this is most of their conversations kind of end up being this way. It's like like yes. Maria's like, we should be good. We have to respect your uncle. And, and Frida's like, no, I want to do bad. I like bad things. I want to more. run in the moonlight. Yes. All that kind of stuff. The um, storms. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she talks about how she wants to get away. The alone, the woman who's alone in the cabin, she wants to... She's with a man who we come to learn is Count Karnstein. Gustav just busts in trying to cock block, you know, and... Uh, he says, you know, oh, are you looking for, for children of the devil? Like, you found one. Like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, this is this is Count Carnes. Like I said, he's played by Damien Thomas. Uh, he's okay. He's got kind of a fun, cheesy performance in this. I think you know, he's my favorite. Like, it fits the, the movie. Everybody in yeah. The movie. <laughs> he's, he, he's pretty fun. He's having fun. Yeah, actually, yeah. thinking about it, he's pretty fun. Like, he's got some scenes later when he's just, like, alone. In the, he's not, like, alone, but he's, like, sitting with his servants in the castle around the table. All those scenes around the table are pretty damn funny. When he's just, like, sitting around his other, like, Satanists being like, well, what, like, do, what do we do today? How do we worship Satan? You know? Yeah, I like the, the scene just, like, in a little bit when he's watching the ritual. Yeah. And he's just so <laughs> bored with it. And it's just, you know, a fake uh, worshipping of Satan. And he's like, ah, oh, how dare you? This isn't real. Yeah. Uh, we come to learn that this woman that he's with is Goethe. And he's, like, kind of, you know, taunting uh, Gustav because he knows that he, he can't touch him because he's a count and he's rich. He's a landowner. And the emperor is essentially on his side. What does emperor we never see or really get much detail about? Um, he knows that if he is killed by Gustav, then they will send soldiers to, like, raise this village, essentially. They have a fun little conversation, and Cushing's like, you know, there's a there's a power, there's a, a godly power higher than the emperor. And he replies something like, I'm sure the emperor would disagree with that. <laughs> totally. It, it's like a, I don't know, I feel like it's a, um, this is the part where I think Cushing is, is good in this, but I do think he's not given enough you know, like, and it's interesting. I think the I reason th I was a little spotty, like, is because there's just not enough characterization for him. Uh, and part of it, I think, is like, it's, I think it's interesting to explore that you have these two parties that are kind of equally bad, but we don't get like Cushing fleshed but out enough. 
Cushing only talks about like he's he thinks he's doing it for good. Yeah. But then that is that can be like the most dangerous of these people because he'll do whatever it takes because he thinks he's good. He thinks it's godly to burn these women. So he's going to keep doing it. Yeah, which is what happens here. He gets pissed at this conversation. And I thought this was... A, I got a little confused. This is my second time seeing this, but even then, I still got confused because it's like... I was like, oh, wait, does he okay. does he burn Gerda here? He does not because Gerda is they alive later. They leave the cabin and then there's just a random woman yeah. walking from the woods and they're like, ride her down. <laughs> and... They, they they ride, scoop her up, and then burn her at the stake. Yeah, I feel like all the women in this movie vaguely look similar. Um, or a lot of them do. I mean, two of them are literally identical as well. Yeah, I was then, about to say, Greg. But aside from that, the rest of the women are also you like... You did pick that up, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but aside from that, all of the women are like are like buxom blondes. With like the, ex- like the exception of um, Anton's sister. Um, yes. Yeah, so, they, yeah, they burn a random woman. This is, like, the second burning within 15 minutes. It's, like, there's, there's a lot. there's And there's another to come, I think. Or at least one more. Or one more attempted burning, I think. So, yeah, this is where we kind of count, uh, cut to... Uh, they come across a dying man with a vampire bite. Just a random guy in the side of the, in the, by the side of the road. And, uh... Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. So they find that before they burn. So they, they find another man... The vampire bites like well we got to burn somebody else that's where they burn that random woman uh this is where we then cut to castle karnstein and we have it's like they're the equivalent of the modern day lapd yeah it's like they find a crime and they're like I, we just need to shoot somebody for this <laughs> yeah. absolutely oh man <laughs> sprinkle sprinkle a little crack on him and like case closed boys yeah put a couple of pinholes in the neck and say you know yeah it was a vampire yeah so then we have a scene inside Karnstein's castle. I I love this scene. This is one of the best scenes in the movie. Um, the sets for the Karnstein castle are fucking incredible. This was all shot in Pinewood Studios in London, uh, the same place where they shot The Descent many years later. Um, oh, but they Star Wars, Star Wars, yes, uh, a lot of the James Bond movies. Uh, but they they built this massive castle set for Karnstein, and it looks really fucking great. There's a, lots of really cool satanic imagery around, lots of statues, random goat heads, you know. Uh, it, it looks really good, and it adds a lot to this movie, and a lot to Hammer movies in general. Like as they started getting more money around this time of spending, you know, having these movie giving these movies bigger budgets, you can see they really went all out in the sets to make them more immersive, and uh, it works. So this is a this great scene. He's used- watching. This set was used again in Empire Circus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They reuse sets mm. all the time. Yeah. yeah. You notice if you start watching through the Hammer stuff, like you can pick up the same sets a lot. <laughs> um, which Vampire Circus? I've not seen it, but that sounds delightful. I'm gonna have to check that out soon. I mean, I I love that productions will do that. It's like all the old Star Treks. If they yeah they would go somewhere, it's like, well, we had this set from another show and all these costumes. Uh, they're on Earth in another timeline or whatever. Yeah, they go to the old Let's West. Let's dress them up like one. gangsters or Nazis or yeah, whatever. Oh, those are always some of the best episodes too. Like they're always so fun. Yeah, this ritual that that uh, Count Karnstein is watching is like a bunch of guys in like hoods, just kind of like pouring blood over a woman. They cut up in a bag and like let blood drip onto her. The blood seeps through the floor and like goes down to this crypts where we see like there's a body entombed in there and it drips blood onto it. 
um, which is something you see a lot in their Dracula movies too. It's very common hammer imagery. Uh, he has a bodyguard named Joachim, who we met earlier, played by, by Roy Stewart, who goes to defend him when Gustav is going to like shoot Karnstein in the chest. So they're all just chill, and they're watching this ritual. He is bored to tears, though. And it's like, blood being dripped in a woman? Boring. We've seen this before. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is a comment on like maybe like 70s youth, you know, just kind of like, it's kind of like a Clockwork Orange type of thing, where it's like, seen oh, it yeah we've done this before we've got to do something more exciting more violent and titillating so he uh makes an angry chant to satan he gets down there and he's like you know satan like give me your favors well, he kicks like, everybody else you better. out yeah except the woman on the table yes he makes this big speech to satan about how he wants to worship him better and that he needs power and then he says i'm gonna sacrifice this woman to you and he stabs her. We don't see the stabbing. Um, nothing seems to happen. Cut. And I think yeah. this is when blood starts dripping to the crypt. I, I think, think before right. yeah. it was just like on her and into a bowl. And the, like because they keep focusing on the blood running to the floor. I couldn't tell what it was dropping on. But that makes sense that it's a body in the crypt. Yes. Um, and this is the body of a woman named uh, Mercala who apparently appears in the other movies in this trilogy. Um, it's a pretty oh. loose trilogy. I don't think it really tracks in terms of continuity, because I don't know there's also some actors that like play different characters in all of them. Um, but uh, Mercala is a anagram for Carmilla, the, uh, you know, the original novel this is all based off of. Although apparently the Yeah, apparently the dates on her tombstone make no sense in regards to the other movies, too, with when they take place. <laughs> but anyway... Her spirit rises, like, out of this tomb and comes to him. And uh, she's basically telling him, like, you know, like, I, you know, yes, I am, like, I was sent by Satan to give you power. She takes him over to the mirror where we see that she has no reflection. And she basically says, like, we only exist in hell, which I thought was a great line. Um, so then she tells him that she's going to give him power and she bites him. She reveals she has vampire fangs. Uh, we have a scene around this time of Gustav is, like, back home with the twins and he's, like, describing, like, the rituals that go on in Karnstein Castle. He's like, that's vile. They sacrifice women and there's blood and, you know, all and killing. And, like, the twins are, like, listening in the other room. And, like, Frida's just, like, <laughs> getting all excited by it. All like, hot and flustered. Yeah. yeah. It's like, maybe keep your voice down a little bit, Gustav. You kind of, you know, kind of, you're not, you're not exactly dissuading people here. Um, it's like they play been... rock and roll records and smoke jazz cigarettes. How dare they? <laughs> exactly. Life must have been so fucking boring around this time. Like, I can't deny I would also be tempted to, like, participate in a little Satanism to, like, spice things up, you know? Like, can you imagine just, like, oh, what the fuck do you sit around and you watch people play the piano? That's, like, what we see later is, like, the villagers' pastime. It looks fucking terrible. Well, well I, I mean, they played musical instruments. The they did different things like yeah. crocheting. They learned how to sew. True. I'm thinking more women type people here. But, Remember, you, you know, made like, art out of corn. Garden. Yeah. yeah, we didn't. They didn't just go to the grocery store and buy everything that they need and <laughs> have indoor plumbing and and shit and cars. So they were yeah. busy doing doing boring life things and then learning to. And play then you the do one thing. Getting. And then you do. <laughs> I was gonna say you do one thing wrong and then you're burned as a witch. Yeah. 
you take you know one toe out of line of that uh the crops die and it's your fault and your partner's a witch uh yeah. you could you sew dresses and stuff make your own fabric True. and then sew your own outfits and outfits for your family yeah but all of that i mean i'm sure that's all well and good but every now and then you want to sacrifice a goat to satan i mean like what's what's the harm you know it shouldn't be a, a punishment. You are like a, a butcher in offense. another life. Uh, my grandfather was a butcher, so maybe I've just uh, maybe it's inherited. Yeah, really. It's in oh, the wow. blood. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, around this time is where we meet um, David Warbeck as Anton, our kind of generic milk toast hero. This guy's fine. I don't want to. He he's it gets an okay yeah. performance. Yeah, but he's just kind of like the good guy in this i do like the effect well he everybody keeps saying about the twins i can't tell you apart i have no idea how to tell you apart yeah and then when he sees them for the first time we get a a real special effect of like everybody else there's like a film or something like i'm I'm gonna guess it's on the lens has to be yeah vaseline on the lens and then you like the the good twin he sees perfectly yeah he says at some point there's a fire or a burning inside her that he can see inside Frida. Well, so I think yeah. he's actually he's taking a liking to the evil twin. That's the one that yeah. he's latching onto, okay. and that he says has a fire in her. Um, he's got a great line about it later. Where he's like, "Yeah, Maria's like an open book. I mean, yeah, she's cool, but Frida, she's got a fire in her. You can feel when you're near her. It's like, okay, man. <laughs> well, you see what's going on here. Yeah. So uh, they're, the twins are joking about it because like they can tell that Anton is interested. And Frida jokes that she doesn't like good men when Maria says he seems like a good man. Um, so she this likes is the bad Frida... boys. Oh yeah, and she she just shows that right here. Yeah, she. How much she choice notices, did they have uh, though back then? None, right? I mean, probably just that. Like, well, I imagine if this all this didn't go down, the uncle would just like find a guy for them, right? And be like, "You get married, and you have fifty children because it's what God wills." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she notices the count out in the courtyard of the village and <laughs> she goes this out there and she, yeah, go ahead. My favorite shot of the, of the movie. Oh, I, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she ludicrous. sees the count and she like leans over the railing and it just zo- automatically zooms right into her cleavage. Did oh we, yeah, and the um, count. It was so funny. We we skipped over the part with the candle, right? Where they're like, two people are making out, and the woman reaches back and is like stroking a candle. Oh yeah, I think right. We I think that's the that part. Scene. I think that's when Gerda and the count are in the cabin together. Yes, she yeah. starts like jacking off the candle. I thought she <laughs> was going to crazy. take it and knock him in the head, like knock him unconscious or try to kill him with her or something. But she just moved her hand away, and then they—it was just them. It was, yeah, there was, she, okay. She, she, there, was a, there is a whole moment where she is like jacking that candle. Yeah, it's like he's stroking yeah. up and down. It's insane. I did not really know how you know exploitive this movie was going to be. Yeah, uh, especially since we. So, Greg, you lied. Last week, it's not on Shutter. We ended up oh. having to watch it on a YouTube rip. That was really good quality. Yeah, that yeah, was great quality. Just a a seventy-one good. YouTube movie, and then when boobs started showing up, I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" I thought it was going to be a lot worse after that candle, that little yeah. candle situation. <laughs> there, I was, yeah, I was so surprised. It was actually much more 
tepid. Is that the right word than I thought it was going to be? Yeah. I mean, this Until is the, like later and they like actually show it. But this is what's cool about hammers. Like I said, like they they start to go more and more exploitation movie. And I think they're they're undervalued as like in their influence on exploitation movies and horror movies. Because, like, you know, you have, like, the, obviously, like, in Italy, they were making giallos with plenty of nudity and, and things like that. But, like, they were also taking from Hammer. I, I Just a sidebar real quick. Hammer, I think, again, it's they're, they're not talked about enough in, like, the history of horror. And especially, for me, blood on screen, even more so than nudity. They're, like, pioneers of that because in 1956 like, or seven they made The Curse of Frankenstein, which is their first, like, really big color horror movie um one of the early like color horror films and there is like a lot of blood and gore in that movie for its time like there's straight up a, a part where the creature is shot in the head and you see like spurt of blood like come out and like run through his hands as he grabs his wound mm. it's like a very early moment of like splatter movie you know like in the 50s yeah. and i think that's that's not discussed enough as like that movie was rated x for its time like it was like considered so shocking there's also just a moment where Peter Cushing holds up an eyeball and looks at it through a magnifying glass and people like flip their shit over it. And we're like, this is like, this is disgusting. This is horrible. It's like a real cast eye too. So it's like actual, you know, body parts. And that was like unheard of. I like, uh, yeah, like how bright the blood is. I think that's yeah. always oh, that really too. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Our mutual friend blood. Uh, they talk about all the time how they love hammer movies for that reason, for hammer blood. It's so distinctive, and it looks nothing like real blood, but it, it's it got a great it has a great effect on its own. It's cinematic. Yeah, absolutely. So then we we cut back to the castle where like everyone's like sitting around the table, and Karnstein's just bored. He's just talking to his assistant. Uh, he has an assistant named Dietrich, um, who is like this older, baldish, balding guy played by uh, an actor named Dennis Price, and he's just like. Oh, Dietrich, everything okay with you? You look kind of sad. Is it a woman? He's like, oh, yeah. Like, this woman I was seeing disappeared, and everyone's blaming me. And he's like, oh, just pay him off. Like, peasants, you know, you can just pay them off. the lady on the table, right, that Count killed. I believe that's what they were implying, right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. And and it's so weird. It's like, her parents are going to get the law and, and, you know, called in or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, Peter Cushing is burning women at a stake <laughs> and everyone's just like eh, whatever exactly they just let him do it yeah <laughs> so apparently dennis price was pretty sick during this cameo so oh. yeah oh, wow. he, was a, he was in a lot of pain and, and he was sick so fun fact oh man <laughs> i think he's good at, i like his role as like the assistant like karnstein's always kind of dunking on him like there's a part later where like part earlier when he's watching the ritual and Dietrich's like trying to give suggestions. It's like, uh, why don't we go out? And he's like, No, I'm so bored. I know, I'm tired of all this. Get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna sacrifice her to Satan. So yeah, actually I think we may have missed a part where very quickly, like like Frida runs off and joins Karnstein. Because she's here in this scene around the table, uh, with Gerda and uh the Count. Um and also Luanne Peters is the actress playing Goethe, just wanted to say. So uh, this is where, like, you know, the Count is talking to Frida, realizes that she wants to get into some freaky shit, that she's into all this. And uh, he very quickly bites her and turns her into a vampire. He's got a lot of great lines, too, when he's talking about this. 
about how the the good and decent will die, but those truly devoted yes. to Satan will become vampires. Um, the wicked uh, like and devoted to Satan. Yeah, that kind of mythology. I think it's also weird. We we've seen them walking in daylight, so that's not an explicit yeah. thing. Although, that like really... I said, it could be the day for night thing with Hammer. It's sometimes hard to tell when things supposed to take well, place. Well, it's like she, yeah. no, it's when she's in school. Right, and like, yeah. When he first sees her, it's in the middle of the day. Also, they don't seem to do the uh, requiring uh, and permission to enter yeah. to, to come into a house or anything. But it's it's an interesting take on the vampire lore. Yeah. Hammer makes a ton of vampire movies. They have, like, dozens of them. And the rules are different in each movie. Like, even across their Dracula movies, which are supposed to be the same series, like, the rules for what Dracula can and can't do are constantly changing. They have no fucking, uh, you know, they don't have any, like, love. They just use whatever parts of the lore, I think, fit best into their plots, you know? Sure, why not? It's all made up anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's so many conflicting things as well, and, like, every culture has their take on it. Like, yeah, so why not, do, why not mix it up? Totally. Some are sparkly. Some are sparkly, yeah. You got My favorite. Some, like, have outstretched arms and are hopping, like Chinese vampires, you know? Some float around with like, their intestines hanging out. Danny like, Houston with Danny Houston vampires. Yeah. Some live in Sweden as children and, you know... They have their own language. Very romantic. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, this is about the time where... Oh, yeah, so we have Gerda is chained up to the wall. She's being punished for, like something she said to the counter you know her like making fun of him or something uh when they were sitting around so if she shanded to the wall of course like cleavage still on full display and once frida is bitten she comes over here and there's just a, a shot of her fully like mouthing gerda's breast before you you cut away that's like the lesbianism we see in this uh just a little bite of the booby you know which typically you don't see that for vampires usually it's the neck but neck, I, yeah, yeah. She's I feel like learning. True Blood it's, may have done that. I, but yeah, I, I, I don't doubt it. I think it's something that's happened a lot throughout probably vampire movies. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but she's only been a vampire for five minutes. She doesn't know. You know, this is her first tr- first go at it. So I guess you just yeah. yeah so this is uh, we also have a great uh, shot too earlier when Frida is first bit of like Maria popping up in bed and like holding her neck. This is where we get like that's the psychic right. twin link. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we get the sense that of course whatever happens to one, the other feels happens later on towards the end. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Um. <laughs> so uh, about this time is where we 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 uh, we meet Isabel Black as Ingrid, Anton's sister. She's like the local school teacher. Uh, she's one who's teaching the twins uh, how to play music and I guess just daily life stuff. Um. This is where he, uh, Anton is talking to his sister about the twins, right? And he, he says that Frida has a fire inside her. But Frida's, and uh, Maria's an open book, but Frida is mysterious. Uh, we then have a scene of Frida coming back home, sneaking back in. And we learn that Maria has been covering for Frida and, like, taking beatings for her. So that seems like by their uncle, right? For, like, yeah, and it's Frida weird. being gone. It's, the, way, the way that she explains it, too, is that... She is pretending to be Frida and saying then she doesn't know where Maria is. So she's yes. the one getting in trouble. Also <laughs> the one getting beaten, but is the one that's going to be in trouble later on. It's a very 
convoluted yeah plot i guess just to show how like good and pure she is right that she's willing to like do this for her sister i will say this is crammed full for 87 minutes there yeah. are a lot of kind of plot points oh it is because which we, we may also... need to condense a little bit more yeah we also have another thing here going on where anton is is disapproving of what gustav is doing He's talking to the he's talking to the twins at some point, and he's like, "Your uncle's a good man." And it's like, well, based on what? It's like he's just kind of like he is trying to like purify the village. He's just going about it the wrong way, murdering innocent women, burning them at the stake. Um, but he writes to the well, church. His sister, his sister gets out and was like, "Well, there's been murders and there's yeah. missing people." And then she he fires back with like, "Well, there's three more innocent women. You have to count into that number." Yeah. He's one of the only people who's actually kind of concerned with that. Uh, and so he writes to the church about Gustav's actions. Gustav comes to confront him about it. And this is very funny where the church just wrote back and it's like, hey, maybe investigate that guy for being a Satanist for questioning you. The church is like, no, no, we totally sanction this. Like, yeah, burn innocent women. Totally. And also you're a fucking follower of Satan for even questioning this. So, um, so yeah, Gustav comes to him and, and Gustav starts to tell him, like, I'm a student of history and folklore. You're going about this the wrong way. Burning only, like, you know, it only, like, charged the body. The soul is able to then reincarnate into a new body. You have to stake them through the heart or cut their heads off. And Gustav is like, I'm not having any of this. You're a follower of Satan. You know, get out of my face. So, uh, yeah, we have a great scene of Peter Cushing. He's like, burning purifies. This is one of his more, like, meaty acting scenes, I'd say, Mm -hmm. when he's confronting Anton. Uh so then we have we get hints that Maria is in love with Anton, although she denies it. She clearly has feelings for him. Frida has a little bit of conflict about being evil when it comes to her sister. There's a great I think this is a great scene where like they're in the bedroom and and uh, Frida's like sitting in front of the mirror and she has no reflection, but and she's trying to kind of keep that from like Maria from seeing that, you know. But we get the sense that she's a little like hesitant to hurt Maria. And she's talking about being evil and everything, but she seems a little like squeamish still when it when that comes up. So well, it's still you know part part of yourself. Like when you yeah, we haven't really gotten into it, but like when you look and see the double of you, like it is a version of you. It is the same as looking into a mirror almost. Right, and and Kate. so maybe not yeah the identical thing. Maybe even like a dimensional type mirror, but yeah. Like, it's hard to do that to yourself. This version of what you once were, she's no longer human, right? She's an undead. Yeah. And you're seeing this pure version of you that looks exactly like you, that is a reminder of your past humanity. Not not too unlike uh, the one I love, right? This good version of yourself that is like, oh yeah, I used to be kind of like, you know, on the right side of things. There was a time before I was whatever I am now. Um so anyway, we have a scene of Dietrich. I believe it's Dietrich, right? When he's walking to the woods and he sees this cave with Maria standing in front of it. And we get that weird doubling effect again. Vaseline on the lens or whatever. Where he sees like two Fridas there. So he walks over into this cave and uh, gets bit and then tossed into a pond. Um, so then uh, we have a scene of uh, Anton. He's playing the piano for uh, for the girls. It's just, it's just a line I wrote down for some reason, but they're talking about songs to sing, like they want Gustav to, or Anton to sing to them. 
And this one girl just pipes in like, my father only allows us to sing hymns. And I'm just like, again, what a sad life. <laughs> like the only music you can listen to has to be like worship. Music. Worshiping God. Yes. Yeah. All their music is evil and of Satan, of course. And there wasn't that much music back then. I mean, there was, but it wasn't yeah. like today. I mean, hey, a lot of art in general, like had to be sanctioned by the church, right? The church was commissioning artists to like paint religious what? things. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's just a thing of history. It's always any yeah. new music's for the devil. Like, Elvis, for the devil. Beatles, exactly. there's Satan. Kiss. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Knights in Satan's service. It's right there in the name yeah. of the band. <laughs> um. So this is, where, this is a pretty intense scene where Gustav, like, again, he's always bursting into rooms in this. Just like, door flies open, there's Gustav. And, like, he comes in. And he's carrying Ingrid's corpse. And he's just like, hey, you want to question my methods? Look what happens when you don't burn innocent women. And he, like, pulls back the sheet. And it's Ingrid's body with the vampire bite. There's an awesome reaction shot, like, zooming in an Anton's, like, shocked face. Just like, oh! Like, as the as he sees the body and all the girls in the class scream. Uh, it's I a mean, very his, fun scene. His logic is, is solid. Like, look what happens when we don't burn innocent women. But as we keep burning, innocent, innocent women, women die. This keeps happening as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Frida's out and seducing and biting random passerbys, um, and of course, like I, they have the the guy being like, "Oh, is it Maria or Frida? I can't tell you apart." And then he gets bit as she like seduces him. Uh, Gustav rides up on this and finds her, and she tries to, like pass it off as like, "Oh, we were attacked by a vampire." And he, again, has and a she's great... got the blood dripping yeah. from her mouth. He's got a great it's, delivery. It's a really you good... You have blood on your yeah. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to act all innocent while you're just painted with the crime. Yes. So uh, they, they take her to the jail to hold her. Uh, funny how, you know, he immediately burned everybody else. But his own niece he's going to take to the jail first. Hmm. I don't know. He... The, and they get into that quite a bit for the rest of it. He's at one point they're like, "Oh, you know, you should, uh, uh, you know, burn her right now." And then he's like, "Well, brothers, there's been enough death for one evening. How about we wait till <laughs> mm, tomorrow?" Yeah, how convenient, Gustav. But he eventually gives in. Yeah, this is where we get the the title line too. The devil has sent me twins of evil. He like yells out to the sky, which I mean, hey. There's only one twin is a vampire here. The title is a bit of a mislead, you know. Uh, That's true. So, Katie, uh, he refuses, or Kate, the aunt Katie refuses to let Gustav see Maria. This is the aunt's kind of biggest scene. She's got kind of a speech here to Gustav about how, like, he's maybe lost his way. And he's like, I've been trying to be a good man. But, you know, sometimes you get carried away burning women. And it happens to all of us. Uh, the Count appears in Maria's bedroom to take her. But she's holding a cross, which repels him for a second. But he manages to then take her and swap her out with Frida at the jail by hypnotizing the jailer. It's the hypno the hypnotism hypnosis. I yeah. guess would be the better. It is really good. I I like that that, that shot. Act, that actor plays it really well too. Like that kind of like stupefied look. Yeah. Of yeah. all of the vampire lore, I wish they would have left out. Or I guess my least favorite one is like the the cross burning and like holy water because I, I know they're supposed to be like with the devil or whatever but it's just like come on <laughs> it's it's dumber <laughs> than the other ones this like lowercase t hurts 
Yeah. Well, do you you prefer that over garlic? I think garlic is more like legitimate because it's like a food allergy. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Have you have you guys read? I, um, I am. I urgent. am allergic to Christ, though. So. <laughs> like even like being out in the sun. Yeah. Living testament you? right here. That yeah. You can have a sun allergy or sensitivity to the sun. You know, like that makes more sense. Greg, are you allergic to garlic? And even because cravings for oh. blood. Combined, we might all be a vampire. Maybe no. I am not allergic to garlic. I eat garlic all the live long day. I love garlic. Um, <laughs> have you guys read I Am Legend? The Richard Matheson original book. Uh, back in the day, no. I think, when uh, the Will Smith movie came out. Yeah, that movie does a really good job with like ex- giving like scientific explanations for all the various parts of the vampire legend. And it is like he's able to study like vampire blood cells and their relation to garlic and how like the cells, he like kills vampire cells, something about something in garlic that gives a really good explanation for it. And then... Uh, there's a really great scene where he he's cap he captures various vampires and he like will show them across and they'll like recoil other vampires that has no effect on so he captures his neighbor who he knows was Jewish and shows him the Torah and the Torah like is repellent to the vampire so it's all just based on like what they believed in life uh, for some reason yeah. Uh, anyway, cool book. Hmm, get, that is interesting. Yeah, it's a cool book. It gives a lot of it. It tries to explain a lot of vampire mythology like that, and like a, it's neat. Uh, the the blood stuff can be because there are like conditions where you you think you crave blood, or even yeah. like Richard Chase, who was called the Vampire of Sacramento. He thought that like his you know his dick didn't work. He just thought he wasn't getting enough blood in his body, <laughs> and so he would like consume other people's blood because he just he just didn't think that he had enough blood so there's you know different yeah i guess medical scientific reasons for somebody to do that kind of stuff i wonder if that was army hammer's issue too his dick didn't work and he thought he had to drink blood no i think it's that his dick worked too well (laughs) he has too much yeah yeah exactly (laughs) we need gustav to investigate army hammer i think there's something going on there (laughs) So, uh, <laughs> um, the other thing to say too is like uh, the running water thing with vampires always like is oh, that's the weird one to me. They can't cross running water. They can't cross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I'm wondering if that has to do with rabies because rabies they have like a, a water phobia. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, videos of people with like they can't? They're like afraid to drink a glass of water. So I wonder if that has to do. With, that's a good point. It could be something like rabies. that. Yeah. I think they do the running water thing in The Strain, the Guillermo del Toro book series that then yeah. turned into a TV show. And it was more of like a parasite. It was a worm that would then affect other people as well. It was There was a lot of interesting things in that show, and then it just got worse and worse and worse as it went along. Yeah, But there's a real good episode in the first season with Sean Astin is Ooh. in it and they're all like trapped in a gas station and vampires are coming to get them that sounds fun as hell i like that yeah uh tying it back to hammer there's a there's a great dracula movie i'm blanking on which one but that details like the whole running water thing with christopher lee is as like there's an like, awesome scene where he's standing on ice and they like have to they shoot ice to like get the water in front of him and like he's all kind of yeah. panicking trying to like get out as they're like shooting <laughs> ice around him it's great 
so this is the an awesome scene where uh, Anton goes to see who he thinks is Maria uh, in her bedroom, but is actually Frida. And so she tries to seduce him. She takes her top off or has her like yep. nighty thing open. And this is where we get some nudity in the movie. Um, it's again, pretty, very, pretty good seduction. Very exploitative. Yeah. Uh, so he is, of course, at first confused, but then he kind of gains his wits and is then trying to fight off Frida as she tries to bite him. I will say, I, I do kind of find like. In horror movies, when you have these kinds of scenes where it's like your attacker is partially nude like this, it it is mm-hmm. disconcerting. It is add a weird, uncomfortable nature to all this, and like, like in the faculty. Oh, I actually have not seen the faculty. I, I feel like you guys Ooh. are gonna. Oh, never mind then. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> we gotta find a category to do that one. But Greg, you missed the the point where I already she had one. Is um the the reason. He notices that she's not right is because he sees her through the mirror. Yeah. And there is no reflection, which is a really good shot as well. Yeah, those lots of great. I love all those, like, no reflection mirror shots. There's always fun. Yeah, sometimes, like, again, talking about vampire lore, sometimes that's a hokey part of vampire movies is, like, seeing they have no reflection. But I like it in this one because it's often, like, the vampire looking into the mirror and not seeing their reflection. And like, kind of like being pleased at this or something like that. Um, it kind of reminds me of Hollow Man. That line of like the best part of being invisible is not being able to see yourself in the mirror or not having to look at yourself in the mirror, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh yeah, I can't look at myself. I don't, I don't have to think about the things I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I can just be evil and not worry about it. So yeah, pretty awesome scene then when he throws a cross on on her like on her naked body yeah. and then gets the fuck out of there and she like burns her hand. I know Kale doesn't like this. It is a little, it, this is a little corny too. I will say Hammer does great cross stuff though with their movies. Like they love the whole cross thing. So if, if you end up watching more Hammer vampire movies, I mean, you are going to encounter it's gonna it. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say I didn't like it. <laughs> okay. They get very creative with it too. Roll back the tape. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Anton rides out he manages to stop Maria from being burned at the stake before Gustav, you know, lights the flame. It's very funny. Barely. He's like, yeah, he's like, hold across to her. She won't, like, she and I won't recoil. And he's like, Gustav, you didn't think to, like, try that? Like, you, you guys try, all have, yeah. everyone, it's real, everyone like, has a cross on them. He's just like, oh, I got well, one it, right here. Here you go. Cushing is about to let light fire to the kindling or whatever. And Anton just throws another... Yeah. Uh, you know, torch to hit Cushing in the arm and drop it. And it looks like it drops so close to the fire pile that it's just going to catch it anyways. Yeah. I was thinking that too. I was like, oh, this this dummy is going to kill her anyway. <laughs> he throws fire practically on the kindling. So stupid. <laughs> Real smart there, Anton. So then uh, then we have Anton. He's, he's talking to the, to the Brotherhood. He's like, hey, the real evil is Castle Karnstein. Like, I know... The emperor has his back or whatever, but what are we going to do? Like, he's got your niece up there right now. He has Maria, right? Like, she she gets uh kind of taken to the to the castle. So there's a big scene where he's convincing the Brotherhood. He gives a big old passionate speech about, like, you know, uh, we're doing God's will. We have to go. Like, no burning. It has to be stakes or axes. You got to cut off their heads or stab them in the heart. So he riles them all up. They sharpen all their blades and stuff. 
there's a very, very weird but hilarious scene where it's revealed that um, <laughs> Karnstein's assistant, Joachim, like, is mute. And so he has yes. to, like, sign everything out. And it's like a scene from Lassie. He's like, what? You're I... telling me they're coming up the hill with, with axes and stakes? Like, I loved it. I my note is every horror movie should have charades. Absolutely, it was just such a random moment to break the story. Be like, yeah. all right, you have to guess. I have to explain through actions. Yeah, Stakes, really, we, sharpening pitchfork torches. We really learn here what a little bitch <laughs> Count Karnstein is. He's just like, okay, okay, you go hold them off. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here with Maria. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, or with, um, with Frida. It's like we're gonna, we're gonna leave. And so, uh, he tells them go hold off the villagers or the Brotherhood. Joaquin, for his credit, he puts up a good fight. He comes out, and this is wild. This is the thing I remember the most from my first watch. Like, um, but he takes a torch and he burns a guy's eye out. First yeah, of all, that was pretty cool. And then he full and just like chop somebody else in the head and it's a really good effect of like i think they just it's just clever editing you don't see like the sword go into the head or anything it's just like you see the motion then it cuts to like the prop already in in the guy's head and he falls back but it's very bloody and it's really well done um he fights a little harder but they pin him down and they fucking stab him through like the gut and you get a big old spurt of blood as he gets impaled i guess that really gnarly stuff and i don't think people give hammer enough credit i think like maria bava had already made bay of blood by this time so like we already have crazy like slasher movie-esque deaths like this but you know in, in english language films with like like you, like you said murph it's like stuffy and you have this yeah. level of violence in it too it it's it's very tough to like keep going and then the last 15 minutes are pretty insane yeah yeah i agree uh I really dig the last 15 minutes. It's a, it's kind of a slog at times to get there, and especially yeah. 87 minutes, but... It's not bad, though. I mean, 87 minutes, yeah. Right, but I'm saying to get to the last 15 minutes, you know, yeah. that's 72 minutes of filler. Well, hold on, yeah. let's say 70 minutes, including, you know, the zoom in on cleavage <laughs> and then nudity. So it's like 70 minutes of filler. That is the, it's the nice thing. minutes, good time. That's the nice thing about Hammer movies. They rarely ever break 90 minutes. They're all yeah. typically pretty short and spiffy. Uh, that's the other, like, exploitation movie thing. It's like, no, we can't go 90 minutes. We have to play this as many times as possible in theaters to make it, yeah, as much money as we can. Uh, I did see it was the second movie of, uh, like, a double feature when it was oh, yeah. released. Totally. Yeah, they did that. Hands of the Ripper. That's, yeah. yeah. Which I suddenly to see. That's a Hammer movie that's been on my list for a long time. Uh, yeah, so then we have a great shot of, uh, great shots of Count Karnstein and Frida walking to the crypts of the castle. These crypts look incredible. Lots of cool skulls everywhere. It's this nice, like, cool green and blue colors. And then, so they're trying to escape, and Count Karnstein, again, he's a little bitch. He tells Frida, hey, you go first out there. Why don't, why don't you walk outside first? And it's revealed that Gustav has kind of like snuck away from everybody else and gone to the side of the castle. This is ice cold. This scene is so fucking brutal. Where Gustav just like steps out of the shadows, grabs Frida by the hair, and in one swipe just decapitates her with his sword. It is yeah. it 
just like no hesitation. It's like my niece, whatever. She's a fucking vampire. She dies. I mean, he took a sweet time burning Maria earlier, right? But now he's and, like fucking and the around. Fact of, he doesn't even like a hundred percent know. Yes, it's just like he was told, and he does it. But <laughs> I love how he does it, and then he continues to hold her head. Yeah, and like chases after the count for like a, a couple seconds, and then the and count then has comes his own back. Yeah, right. But then he he drops the blade and continues to hold the head, and then goes to the body, and then drops that. I just love that he kept holding the head longer <laughs> than the knife that he did. <laughs> I just I love too. Like, but the count has a like, great reaction shot too. Like when he's scared, he's just like, yes. oh yeah. <laughs> the decapitation. Um, that I guess they used spam for that effect the first time, mm. and then they tried some other things, and apparently, what we saw was German sausage. Mm. Delicious. I love it. That's really that's cool. I love I love when they use. Uh, it sounds macabre me, but I love when they use actual like meat products like that for gore and stuff. It it does add something, you know. Yeah. Like uh, a racer head. Yeah, like a racer head alien using cow intestines, right? When the alien, I didn't know that. Thing. Yeah, for all the wow. Yeah, supposedly, supposedly spoiled cow intestines too for the chestburster stuff. Ugh. Yeah, I just uh, rebought that on 4K. I should, Ooh, I should hell spend yeah. that disc soon. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, we then have like the the all the villagers, the rest of the Brotherhood are confronting Karnstein in like the foyer of his castle. He's up on this on this balcony, and he's holding Maria. And, yeah. And yeah. I love that, like, he's he's holding her, Anton is just like, no, I can make it. He's got a javelin, he's like, I'm gonna get him. And the other guy's like, hold on, she's, she's <laughs> a little close, don't you think? Like, yeah, but right it, in front of his chest. Anton doesn't care, Maria's an open book, she's boring, fuck it. If he still gets a spear in the, you know, a spear in the chest during all this, no big whoop. <laughs> so yeah, then Gustav confronts Karnstein on the, on this, on this, uh, next to this balcony. And he's like, well, you only have one swipe, better get my, my neck. He completely I, whiffs it. I do like it. It is kind of like, I'll give you one shot. Yeah. Type and of, he misses. Like, uh, it's, an attitude. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a good swing. <laughs> uh, he misses. For whatever reason, I don't know why Karnstein put Maria down for this confrontation. Like, I feel like he would have been better off holding her there. But whatever. So uh, there's a bit of a struggle, but then Anton is able to fucking hook this javelin, and it gets Karnstein right in the chest. Pretty fun effect as he then dissolves into like a an old corpse, like a mummified looking corpse. Um, this looks like spam to me, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like they just got a skeleton and put spam on top of it. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe it was. <laughs> so then pretty quickly, we have credits roll. There's not much of a wrap-up yeah. or anything. I mean, I, I think well, it just rolls over the skeleton. Yes, that is that is the thing. You get, like, two minutes of credits, and it's all over this, like, really great spam skeleton face. Yeah. And that's Twins of Evil. Let's dive right into our final thoughts. What do you want to rate this out of? Suggestions? Twins. Uh, sausages? <laughs> of evil. German sausages? Um, yeah. Um, Spam. I like German sausages. That's not a bad idea. Uh, we could do something like... Uh, ah, fuck. Uh, sets of cleavage? <laughs> hey, that's something that I would say, Greg. Stop stepping on my material. <laughs> Sorry. I like Spam. Or German sausages. I think German sausages okay. is good. 
Yeah. Well, you're the host. You get to decide. Alrighty. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Twins of Evil. I think this is like... Uh, a f- I think it's a good introduction for you guys for, for Hammer. Kind of gives you a little bit of what they're all about. Like, things before this are not as exploitative. That's sort of rare. You see actual nudity in these movies. Um, this is a fun one, though, because you get a bit of their vampire stuff. Their vampire, They love their vampires. They always make them pretty fun and interesting. You get a little sprinkling of, of Peter Cushing. I feel like he's not in it a whole lot, but when he is in it, he's doing good stuff. Uh, not playing a very nuanced character. He's a complete piece of shit. Our vampire Count Karnstein's a pretty fun performance. I love that he is, just wants to be evil, you know, and wants to worship Satan best he can. You know, he just wants to be Satan's top pupil. Uh, I feel like it's a it's a weirdly you find this a lot in in horror movies where it's 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 kind of about like the burgeoning sexuality of like young women, but they sure. get punished for it. It's like yeah, why shouldn't she want to get away from her fucking physically abusive uncle, who is just gonna pigeonhole her into this really awful, you know, religious upbringing? Um, of course, like, she goes too far with it and is murdering random passerbys, but hey, a, a girl's gotta live a little, you know? Uh, but yeah, you know, that aside, like, it's it's a fun movie. It's got an incredible score. The music does so much for me for this in, like, uplifting everything. Uh, it, it is just, like, I, I listen to the score all the time when I'm trying to, like, do work or relax or, like, you know, concentrate on something. I will put the score to this on. Uh and uh, yeah, I, I I think it's great, but it's not Hammer's best movie. There's a lot better ones out there. Uh, but for the most part, it's a good example of what they bring to the table for horror movies. So I'm going to give it 3.5 German sausages. Kale, would you like to go? Yeah, whatever. Um, I thought that uh, it's fine. It was kind of boring. Uh, I've had to try to watch it three times. I kept falling asleep. Um. <sighs> Uh, two. I'll give it two. <laughs> wow. Two German sausages. Yeah, I do. Just, I I did also fell asleep in the first fifteen minutes of trying to watch it. I will say. Yeah, I mean, I like that. Um, I read about like the twins and stuff, and Madeline Collinson was a horror fan, so that's kind of why she played the evil one, which is cool. Um, and then I also I also read that they they're from Malta. Mary and Madeline Collinson are from Malta, and they had um, thick Maltese accents, so they were they were voiced over. It wasn't their voices, but they still had accents. And then I looked into it, and people who worked on the movie were like, "No, that's bullshit. That's their real voices." Oh wow! So interesting. Yeah, um, because they did. It was I. What I read was it was so a British woman did their voiceovers, but when you listen to it, they. They have accent. They have Maltese There's accents. There's something, it's not yeah, like, there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was interesting, I guess. Weird. But I mean, overall, it's not that I didn't like it. It just didn't really do much for me. It just kind of, it was a movie that we watched. Yeah. <laughs> two sausages. I I'm kind of uh, between you two. Like, I think there are a lot of good things about this. It just, it's as I said, stuffy. It's a little long. Uh, even at 87 minutes where I'm like, I keep checking the time as I'm watching it. I did watch it all in one go. Uh, I think I paused it once to get some more water, but it, it was a little bit of a slog. Cushing, as good of an actor as he is, it is mostly a reserve type of role. Like, he's not giving a lot of emotion. It's a lot of, um holier than thou 
which mm-hmm. is good when it's kind of reserved. Uh, I like the twins. I thought they were fun. I thought they did a really good job of I mean, looking exactly the same in, you know, <laughs> as twins, but you know, in the same costumes where you really can't tell the difference. But one starts acting a little bit more innocent. The other one's a little more, a little bit more mischievous. Uh, and you can kind of tell them apart, you know, th- besides the Vaseline on the lens because of that. Mary's a little smidge taller. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's that's how we tell. But but overall, like you said it, Greg, the, the soundtrack, the score is wonderful. All those sets look really nice, but it just kind of uh, it dragged for me at times. I like the charades. That's probably, besides, you know, naughty bits, that's probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, I'm going to have to go 2.5 German sausages. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, like I said, this is like a fine enough introduction for Hammer. Like, I, yeah, rewatching it too, like, I, I realized, you know, it's missing It's missing a lot of what makes those other ones truly great. Like some of the vamp, the, the vamp, uh, dracula or frankenstein movies but it's got a little bit of sprinkling of everything you know it's the period where they were floundering like their solution is like add add boobs i don't know like (laughs) we gotta make money here yeah so always a good solution and this is our actual i mean we're not sure what else we're gonna be watching yet but this is the first like twin movie everybody everything else has kind of been a doppelganger right something super nice i mean ended up being but there were actual twins yeah well yeah uh, well, yeah, I guess there were in the dark half. There were the babies, kind of a twin, but the babies are twins. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that one I, I still don't know what the hell Stark actually was. It's a manifestation, <laughs> a psychic of, manifestation of a of of a twin of there of his twin, but twin? of yeah. the dark half that he has in himself that he birthed through writing books and uh, come on greg it, we spelled it out two weeks ago i don't know what the hell you're talking about man i can't stop thinking about that line on the phone i don't know what the hell you're talking about man <laughs> i don't know what the hell you're talking about man uh well okay so it is my choice for next week so we are going to be watching the 2013 richard Iowade movie based on the dostoevsky uh, novella, I I believe it was the double, starring Jesse Eisenberg, Mia Wachowski, uh, Wallace Shawn, as we were talking about earlier. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I saw it in theaters, and it's a fun. I should take back. I won't. I don't want to say it's a lot of fun. It's a, a very dark psychological look at the dark half, kind of. Cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Nice. Until you I'm, said you saw it. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I picked Twins of Evil in this month because, like you said, this is going to be dark and psychological. The, the one I love was pretty, like, introspective. I'm glad I, I picked Twins of Evil because it's, it is a little more, like, breezy and, you know, kind of fluffy. Shallow. Fluff. But, and yeah. that's not always a bad thing. If it was totally. a little less stuffy. Yeah. That's, I like that this. is the problem. Uh, the stuffiness that that adds something for me with Hammer. It's like I love that these British actors were like, "Yeah, I'll appear in this fucking movie that's just about showing off boobs and violence." Like, yeah, and then I'll go perform Hamlet. You know, <laughs> it's a paycheck. Uh-huh. 
that's it for us this week. You can always, well, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, any of the apps you use. Uh, You can get us, contact us, email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have both Twitter and Instagram at weeklymassacre. Hit us up, let us know uh, about all the times, all the lesbian vampires you've met. Uh, if you think Peter Cushing should be in every Star Wars movie going forward, if you have a particular favorite actor you want to resurrect to be in movies, let us know. Yeah. Uh, and I, I said last week we we didn't have a sign off. I, I remembered afterwards we did because I'm gonna do it up brown for you. <laughs> yeah, join us next week. We'll do it up brown for you again. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. bye.